Today on State Scoop's Priorities Podcast from Scoop News Group, the future of smart cities is more about community than technology. Welcome to State Scoop's Priorities Podcast. Every Thursday, you'll get insights into the state and local government technology community. You'll hear from top leaders across the state and local world and learn about the latest news and trends ahead for the industry. I'm your host, Jake Williams. Here's what's happening this week. Students on Nantucket Island in Massachusetts were sent home early this week when the local public school district got hit with ransomware. The attack caused the district to shut down its internet connections and all devices issued to students and staff. Safety systems such as security cameras and other security devices also shut down. The district closed school the next day as well. California CTO Susie Changas is leaving the state's IT agency after just three months. Changas is the former CIO for the California Prison Industry Authority. The State Department of Technology did not provide a reason for her departure, only saying it was her decision. She will return to the California Prison Industry Authority, she says. Bill Vida has stepped down as Wyoming's top technology official. Vida resigned from the role after nearly a year in the post. Neither Vida nor the department said why he stepped down. The state's legislature is currently considering legislation that would consolidate the ID department into a brand new department. You can find these stories and more at statescoop.com and in links in today's show notes. San Jose's former CIO took on a bigger role and bigger responsibilities last year. Rob Lloyd was the city's CIO and IT lead. Now he's the deputy city manager where he oversees transportation and aviation, as well as technology. He tells me about what the job transition meant for him and how a wider perspective changes the way he looks at IT. My portfolio is transportation, um, aviation, and technology. So total of about uh, $1.4, $1.5 billion, about 800 employees. Um, and that strategic direction is how we do high-speed rail, how we improve the pavement, uh, Vision Zero and traffic safety coming out of COVID. Every big city's seeing uh, much worse um, traffic accidents and fatalities and, and some inattentiveness and maybe lack of practice. But on the airport side, it's the recovery uh, because during COVID, a lot of airports were down to single-digit capacity. Um, and then the return to a quote-unquote normal, what does that look like and who are you going to attract? Our traffic is very business-based, so we have to kind of broaden out into personal travel because we haven't recovered um, business travel as quickly. And then on the, the technology side, we hired a great CIO in Calipofic uh, from Irvine. And a um, couple big focus areas are, are operational um, efficiencies because we said a year and a half ago that downturn's coming. Uh, we kind of got lucky through COVID, but nothing floats forever. Um, we also have the equity piece and how we build technology services to support equitable services. And that's insights that uh, so that people can make better decisions, that you open access to parts of the community that don't necessarily complain and don't access in quote unquote in traditional, uh, traditional ways that don't um, hear a loud voice in budget sessions and workshops in the community. Uh, but those essential workers are, are no less important. Um, and then also, um, you know, cybersecurities and, and privacy for us are a main um, category of activity and, and, um, and effort. And we see those as separate, but very interlinked. Digital privacy is probably our fastest growing program uh, right alongside, um, because we've come to the realization that smart technologies aren't successful unless you've mastered how to engage with your community. And then all in all, just a different type of role is you make space for directors as leaders. You apply kind of a strategic direction. You, you do the, the um, kind of firefighting when there's kind of a political um, operational issue. Uh, but I'll tell you, colleagues who ask, you know, I, I'm contemplating it. What's the difference? Um, 
say you're more of an individual contributor and you're not managing and marshalling those resources directly. You're, you have high leaders that you're trying to, to position well. Number two is you better love memos. So many memos, so many memos. <laughs> yeah, a life is a series, endless series of memos at this point. Um, but then also kind of the political engagement prowess you develop is a totally different skill and you need to want that Otherwise, probably the role is not for you. And it might explain why so many CIOs who've taken the role up to 2022, um, the track record hasn't been all that great for CIOs have taken that leap. And so um, there's some lessons in that. Hopefully that helps. I want to dive a little bit deeper on sort of that that middle uh, role that you're talking about, right? So, you, so you're not an elected official. You're not necessarily like a political leader, but you're also not a an IT, you know, in the trenches, like single folk, not single focus. You, you understand where I'm going with this uh, d- director or leader. Um, what are some of the, with some of the examples of the things that you're working on, whether it be uh, the sort of the realizations around smart technology or, or even something like the airport or uh, any of these issues you're talking about, where are some of the positives of being in that role? What is, what is some of the, the great things about that? And, and then what are some of the hard parts of, of sort of being in that middle position? Yeah, so um, the the great stuff is you start connecting dots in a different way. So when you're a director and you have peer directors, um, it's basically kind of like pluralistic government where you try to ally yourself um, and build coalitions. And then when people have needs, you are hyper responsive, but then you're also strategic in connecting it to other needs you saw. So hence why we're so positioned for the pandemic is we heard from departments the need for hybrid work. Uh, did our partnership with um, Zoom when they were $30 million company. Now they're a $30 billion company, but we all that technology, the ability to go online, have digital participation. We already took care of that because that's what departments said, they, the direction they were heading. Even equity, they said, you know, we're missing parts of our community. We know we are, and we're being hyper-responsive to the complainers, but a lot of our community who are working multiple jobs, who have multiple families in one dwelling, they don't have time to complain. Um, and so then when we did data science with Dell, we saw that uh, palm on your forehead moment where you're like, they're absolutely right. Um, quality of life issues when you have time and space, basic needs issues when you don't. And so we had to create services around eviction um, assistance. And during COVID, we had a service developed um, for if I need connectivity help. And then we partnered with Eastside Union High School District to have the biggest Wi-Fi network in COVID so that people in our um, Title I attendance areas, that's uh, 80% free and reduced lunch, it's a proxy for poverty, uh, we could actually give the wireless access so they could access education and work um, and health. Um, and so those types of dot connecting, but on the flip side, you're not actually controlling it. You want your directors to have the space to be successful when you're a director, um, chief information officer, you want that space to, to do your professional work well. And so you're more creating alignments and small pressures. Um, and in one sense, you're their, you're kind of their boss. On the other sense, you really want them to be successful. You want to create maximum space for them to succeed. So um, that it's it's a weird balance that you're really powerful in one sense and not powerful at all in the other sense. And, and you have to walk that line in a very elegant way. And what is it like, you know, for you sort of going into that transportation space, going to that aviation space? Uh, not necessarily as the IT guy, right? The partner of of the folks in those agencies, but rather sort of that that boss figure. What is it like to? What's that learning curve like? What are some of the the new perspectives that you bring to to those conversations? Yeah, and and part of it is the strategic work. So 
fortunately, we've been very strategic, and so I, I come with some. Uh, I've come in with some uh, credibility um, on that with my peers. The other thing is when you have great staffs, they love talking about their work, their direction, debating some things, and they're kind of open to it. And, and I've been lucky in that sense that our Department of Transportation and our airport are national leaders in their space. And they love that debate. They, they love the scrutiny that makes the product even better. Um, and so we can have those open, honest, and candid conversations with, without much worry. Uh, tra uh, technology, that's probably the harder one because my instincts are to go where I know um, and I have to constantly pull myself back is Khaled's awesome. Um, he's inherited a really good team and he needs to put his, um, his stamp on things and lead in his way. So it, it's a little more quirky that in that sense, because you, when you rise up, you have to make sure you don't, um, don't try to keep a role that you no longer have. Um, and sometimes he and I'll debate things, but we'll set things and usually th end up thinking alike and getting to the same place. So there, there's kind of a coolness in that, that, you know, you can be a buddy to that person and try to, on the resource um, questions, you know, being in the room when the resource decisions and recommendations of council are there, you can, you can advocate for um, that strategic approach across department lines. Um, and they know you're going to make um, some hard decisions. You're going to ask them hard questions so we can ensure that the city's priorities are the ones that really steer things. The smart cities movement is at a very different spot than it was pre-pandemic. Um, I think there have been a lot of realizations about what's going on with it, about all of the pieces of the puzzle, uh, none of which are, are are bad necessarily, but just I think the approach is different. So when you think about smart technology, when you think about um, the way that you're approaching this piece of the, of the city tech puzzle, uh, what's coming to mind for you? What are you thinking about nowadays? Uh, and that's where it's a wonderful question because we've been in, at these smart cities and innovation efforts now for 15 years. Um, and it's still the case where the great projects and initiatives are exceptions rather than the mode. And you write about them as exactly that. And only a few organizations even have a pattern of delivering things that are truly impactful and groundbreaking um, on a consistent basis. It's still one-offs. And one of the things we, we've discovered is how much it's important to connect in the digital privacy piece because it's about trust. Um, and that, that, um, that translation to trust means you do a couple things differently. One is you apply, for example, the IAP2 uh, public participation spectrum because you're not just informing people, but you're starting to co-build with them, getting their feedback. It's kind of like um, our um, ALPRs, uh, license plate readers. Um, advocates said, hey, you can't use this, you're gonna harm people. So there is that potential. Here's how we've designed it. We want feedback. We had the community meetings. We went to the community centers. We went to the um, task force with professionals to, to apply that scrutiny. And we said, we're going to design it this way. And then the community, when they participate in that, start saying, okay, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Let's solve this problem in this neighborhood. Let's so, um, solve these problems on these streets. And that's the connection we said is if you do human-centered design and you're trying to do these cross-domain kind of silo-breaking solutions, you need a lot of experts in the room and you have to have the ability and kind of set of practices and skills so that you can address a problem by understanding it and having empathy first and then getting into solutioning, but really holding off on solutioning until you've established empathy and understanding. And then number two, to connect with the community, it's a very different um, impact. Sidewalk Labs in Toronto or in Portland or the GE um, smart lights in, in San, Di San Diego, when you don't do it with the community and, and they feel like you're doing it to them and the trust isn't there, 
a revolt happens. So we're absolutely positive that if we don't do this, then these efforts are going to fail and fail mightily because we haven't done the due diligence to keep the trust going. And so that's that's where we've migrated. And we have a grant from Knight Foundation for three years on digital privacy and, and keeping that model going. Um, and we're, we're just doubling down on that. But hopefully it's helpful because we, we think smart city is the reason it's failed up to this point is because that community of practice hasn't emerged. The skills haven't emphasized in partnership with the community in a way that's more than informing them. Um, and that design piece, we the solutions we need to create, these experts in government silos and, and departments need to solve the problems together for it to really have traction. And then the vendor community has to be able to sell us solutions that can solve lots of problems, not just be expensive niche solutions. Again, with the, the elevation of your role, the, the new sort of the new space that you're occupying, um, you know, what's top of mind going forward? What are you, what are you really excited in, in 23 to, to sort of knock out and, and, and make progress on? Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, if you listen closest to the community, you, you heard a lot of things come out of the election, and we very much did. Seven out of our 11 council members are new. Um, and so that's a kind of a world shift, almost like um, your coalition government in Belgium. Um, and But the, the signals were utterly clear. You want safe communities. You want housing and homelessness uh, issues resolved. You want clean communities. Um, and that you, you want that uh, coordination across your city where the services are easy to access and responsive. Um, it's, I don't think any of that's new, but the scale of the problem sets are different. Um, you know, even Olympia, Washington, it, it, instead of homelessness being a, a problem for the top 20 cities, it's now a problem for the top 200 cities in the country, um, maybe even further. And so how do we work with the county? Um, how do we work with nonprofits? Everything that we're focusing on now is solving big problem sets that involve multiple partners. And the skills I just spoke about are the ones that help us design that kind of solution, but also the importance of having a team that knows how to collaborate rather than say, this is mine. Because the functional organization, I think, is um, in many ways on its way out. The matrix organization is the only way you're going to solve some of these problem sets. Um, and so those things, because they're politically real, at the same time, we have to be hyper-efficient and optimized inside the organization because the bad times are arriving. Um, and that's where IT usually gets a good opportunity for investment. In my career, every bad economy is where I grew because we were able to work with departments um, and have leveraged needs and solutions. And so when they said, I need help because expectations aren't any lower, service levels are there or higher, and I have fewer resources and fewer people, Technology is a thing that could fill their gap. So if a CIO is, is on their game or an organization's on their game, this is the time where you can really take the opportunity to shore things up and be responsive at the same time. Rob Loy, Deputy City Manager for the City of San Jose, California. You can read more about him and Smart Cities at statescoop.com and in links in today's show notes. The Priorities Podcast is available at prioritiespodcast.com and wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't already, please leave a review or a rating on the podcast page. They make it more likely that more people will find the show. This podcast is a production of Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher helped put it together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. Until next week, I'm your host, Jake Williams. Thanks for listening.